On today's episode of Locked On Stars, got a very special guest lined up. Sam Nessler, Stars beat writer, joins the show to take us inside Dallas Stars practice from Farmers Branch on Friday. Great fan turnout and hopefully some great insights uh, from what this team has gone through the past week and what we're looking forward to. Sunday's game will actually mark the halfway point of the season. So Sam and I are going to talk a little bit about what we've liked and disliked about this Stars campaign up to this point. A jam-packed but fun episode of Locked on Stars up next. Your Locked on Stars, your daily podcast on the Dallas Stars. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, Stars fans. Welcome back to the Locked on Stars podcast, the only daily podcast covering the Dallas Stars, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Dane Lewis, your local expert on all things Dallas Stars hockey, coming to you on this Friday, January 6th, a little bit later of a release today, but thank you guys for the patience and thank you guys for tuning into today's episode, whether this is your first time here or you are a recurring listener, thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Follow us, subscribe to the show wherever you listen or watch YouTube, Spotify, Apple, you name it. Thank you guys for the continued support. Don't want to wait too much longer. Let's jump into today's episode with Stars beat writer Sam Nessler. Joining me now on the show, back by popular demand, Stars beat writer Sam Nessler, just back from Stars practice in Farmer's Branch, where it was a, a packed house, it looked like, on on social media, Sam, what was practice like just in terms of experience and also just as a whole for the team? I know it's been a little bit of a rough week for the stars, but it, it seems like spirits were high in Farmer's Branch. Yeah, it was really fun. Uh, I'm really glad they did that. It kind of separates the the season a little bit when you have these little events, even though it was still a practice, just having to get yourself out of, out of uh, the regular rank, get yourself some fans. Um, you know, it's such, such a big city. Not everyone can get all the way up to Frisco. It's a tough drive. It's a toll road. Uh, so it's good to get around these other rinks. And it, it was pretty wild. I mean, the, we, we had to interview players in the locker rooms because you couldn't even hear the, what we were saying because the fans were screaming. So it was a really good time, and I'm glad they did it. Yeah, it's awesome to you know, open up that opportunity for the fans. Like you said, big, big city and people all over the place supporting this team close by the arena, but also far away from downtown Dallas as well. And, and of course, you said you talked to some of the players, and I'm sure you talked to Pete DeBoer as well. Did you talk any about the games over you know, the past week on Tuesday and Wednesday, or was it more looking ahead you know, to this week? What, what all did you guys kind of discuss in terms of this past week for the team? Because a, a few tough losses, but obviously the team's still in a good place overall. Yeah, we actually didn't touch on it much um, just because the way this team has gone this year, and I'm, I, I'm sure the fans can feel it, is they don't harp on things a lot. You know, it's it's almost like, and it helps that they've won more often than not. So when they do lose, even though it was a couple games in a row, it's kind of like, all right, we're going to look at it. We're going to do some film. We're going to make sure we learn. But they don't harp on it. They don't, you know, oh, we had this. They don't overreact to issues. So it was kind of like a quick little, here we are now. They had a really physical, fast-paced practice, so you knew they were trying to get the intensity up because you could see a lack of intensity in those those California games. Uh, but for the most part, it was just talking about what's to come. You know, we had we have some big moments that came up. We got an all-star nod. We got the all-star voting. Um, there was a lot to talk about outside of that. So that's kind of what we focused on more than the the past two games. 
Certainly, yeah. Still a lot of exciting things ahead. Jason Robertson obviously getting the all-star nod, like you mentioned, and I'm sure he'll be joined by at least one other teammate, if not more. I mean, I mean, plenty of guys on this roster could have gotten the the you know the automatic NHL bid, but Robertson, I think, makes the most sense there. And uh, of course, you know, like you said, this team does a good job of moving on from tough losses and looking ahead towards the future and not letting themselves get caught down. But there is something that that I know I was curious on and i know a few other people as well and i'm not sure uh if this was a discussion at all with coach DeBoer, or if not i mean i'm just curious on your thoughts on it colin miller gets scratched on wednesday in place of joel hanley and there were some people saying you know you understand you want hanley to play because it's the dads and mentors trip but maybe you, you could have maybe taken Suter out and left miller in just because miller has been playing well and we know Suter is a very uh controversial player he does some things well but also has his flaws like any other player on this team. Was there any discussion uh, on what that decision was like or what went into that decision? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of been strange a little bit with the defense because if you really look at the defense as a whole right now, they have the Miro Haskin and Niels Lundqvist is playing far better than he was before he was scratched. Um, Lindell's been pretty solid throughout. Hockenpah, Suter, Miller has kind of been good here couple mistakes there. Hockenpah, not blaming him for it, but he had the goal go off his stick in Anaheim and had a couple mistakes um, as well later in that game. So to me, the more, the more the bigger question is why Miller versus some other people and Suter, honestly, if I was to pick someone without looking at any of the, you know, their uh, contracts or any of their situations, it would probably have been Hockenpah um, versus Miller. So I, we, we've talked a little bit about it. Pete's not big on saying, you know, what specifically went into it. Just a lot of times he, he mentions get Hanley in and this is the guy that comes out. But there's a reason why that certain guy comes out, and especially because it's not like Hanley's going in for another and he's a righty and he's switching for a righty. So it doesn't seem like a tactical uh, situation. Um, so I'm kind of a bit what questioning as well why it, the decision comes to Miller because today at practice, Miller was also skating as an extra. So it wasn't just one game. It seems like at least according to practice today, Sunday's game will also probably have Miller on the bench as well. So I think the defense right now, I almost feel like he likes the, the pairing of Lindell and Hockenpah more than the players themselves. And so if he's going to break up a pair, Suter Miller was the kind of the weakest pair um, take out one of them. He likes he likes vet, vet Suter in there as a veteran. I think that goes into the decision more than this player is paying poorly. Yeah, and, and you know, there's just some things that fans and even us in the media might not ever know, just because those coaches, DeBoer and, and his staff, have those conversations behind closed doors and with the team. And so, you just got to give the you know the benefit of the doubt to them that they're coaches that know what they're doing. But it, it is an interesting situation, and. I think Hanley has done well when he's come in, and I'm curious to see if he does get that nod to be a player or a starter, rather, uh, getting consistent minutes on Sunday. I think that could be you know, interesting to see how that plays out for the team, especially going forward into the second half of the season, which it's crazy to think that we're already halfway through Sunday's game, being the 40, 41st for the Stars, and just kind of taking a look back at the first half of this season. What's been the most surprising thing to you about this Stars team, whether good or bad? Yeah, well, first of all, how fast this thing flew by. I mean, it really, I know people say it feels like all the time, but it legit feels like we just had our podcast during training camp a few weeks ago. Like, I, it, it blows my mind how fast the season goes once it gets rolling. Um, but as far as the, the season has gone, I think the biggest, the biggest surprise, biggest, you know, I don't even know what to call it, just everything, the biggest storyline to me is how fast this team got up to speed 
under Pete DeBoer. I mean, you look at what they brought. I think we talked about this during training camp as the exact question of with so much revolve, so much movement and so many moving pieces, how fast will this team actually be a good team? I mean, they got an entirely new coaching staff. They got five, four or five brand new players. They're putting the trust into 19 to 23-year-olds to run this team. They got two guys who had huge question marks in Ben and Sagan if they're ever going to play well again. They got a goalie who, yes, proved to be a number one seeming last year, but was coming into his first season as a number one. Like, there was so many question marks. And normally when you have a lot of question marks, things go wrong. You get You don't get all of them going right. And right now... They're playing fast. They're scoring goals. They're defending well. They're top three, I think, in both sides of special teams. They're scoring the second most goals or third most goals in the NHL. Uh, they're winning like the most faceoffs in the league. It's just they're doing everything, and that really has has blown my mind because it's not. They didn't completely change systems. They took a lot, and Pete DeBoer talked about this. They took a lot from the Rick Bonus. Ken Hitchcock, Jim Montgomery eras of Dallas. They they built a solid defensive system, some to some say to a fault. And Pete just kind of shifted that and added the other uh, part into it to make it more dynamic. But that's still a lot of change. I mean, they're, they, cha- they change how they play in the neutral zone. They change how they break out. They change how they support each other. And the most that they change is their pace. And it's really hard to uh, get up to a certain pace when you're used to playing at a different pace. So that is really just kind of blown my mind. And I've talked to Pete, I've talked to Jim Nill, every single person I've asked has said they're very surprised, pleasantly surprised on how quick it's gone. Today's episode of Locked on Stars is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat, but don't want all the fat and calories, then you've got to try Built Bar. They have just the thing to get you through the holidays or after the holidays. I know that my goal and many other people's is to eat a little bit healthier this year. If you're like me, you want to eat healthier but don't want to compromise taste, then I've got just the thing for you. Built Bars are actually healthy and they're delicious, so you get the best of both worlds. They're so delicious that you'll think that they're not good for you when they actually are. They're perfect for any food, or health-related New Year's resolution. What makes them taste so good, you may ask? Well, for starters, they are covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they also come in unbelievably delicious flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. And now you don't need to wait around to get your very own box of Built Bars. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com, which you can still do if you'd like, but you can also find them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four box of cookies and cream, my personal favorite, or double chocolate or coconut puffs. And if you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13 bar box with hit flavors such as brownie batter and churro. Your taste buds will thank you and you'll be glad once you start eating Built Bars that you've decided to add them to your daily diet routine. Try Built Bars today. Yes, I, I think that's a great word for this star season as a whole is just pleasantly surprised. I think we we knew th- what this team was capable of returning a lot of their veteran talent or, you know, it's weird calling Jason Robertson and Rope Henson, Miro Haskin and veterans just because they're all still relatively young. But they, they've been around for, you know, two, three seasons at the very least, some of those guys. And, you know, we knew what they were capable of offensively, but it, it's been surprising in the best kind of way to see them have this kind of season while also still you know, maintaining some of that defensive identity that's been what this Stars team has been known for. And 
I think a lot of that has to do with what you said, the way they clear their own zone, they navigate the neutral zone well, and they can enter the offensive zone pretty efficiently. And a big part of that has been Miro Haskinen's game. And you just talk about, you know, surprises and expectations going into the season. He was expected to carry a pretty big load with the departure of John Klingberg kind of being the the face of the defensive core. Do you think he's he's lived up to the expectations this season and you know, where, where do you think he ends the season maybe points-wise? I don't have the numbers pulled up now, but I know he's, you know, having a really solid year production-wise, of course, doing what he does defensively. But what have been your thoughts on Miro based on what the expectations were this season, or preseason, rather? Yeah, he I, he certainly has lived up to it. He's he's playing heavy minutes. Uh, I think he played 55 minutes in 24 hours against the Ducks and Kings. Um, but he doesn't look like it. I mean, the reason he does that is because he can. And the reason why Ryan Suter did it when he was younger is because he can. Because they're efficient skating skaters. They don't look like they're trying super hard to skate. They're able to flow through the game a little bit better. And he's able to make things look so easy on so many different levels that it just doesn't tax him as much as it taxes other guys. And uh, I think he – I have the number here. He, got, he has 30 points in 37 games. So he's – He's well above, I don't forget exactly what he had last year, but he's well above on his way to breaking his record, his career highs, all of them, I think. Um, and, you know, it's the, the only thing that's felt weird is if you were to say to me right now, if I had, if I had no idea what's, what his stats were, I would say he's underachieving offensively because it just doesn't feel like he's been dominant because he hasn't had to be dominant. He's, he's racking up assists, but the Jason Robertson, Ropey Hints, Joe Pavelski, Jamie Ben, those guys have been taking the headlines because they've been so far above that Hayskin is just kind of sneaking around with with you know nearly a point a game, and uh, I think it's been really big for him. I think we we knew he'd be better under Pete DeBoer. Uh, Pete showed a lot of confidence in being able to bring him to a new level, um, and I think what we've also learned about Miro this season is that he's not Kale McCarr. I think that that comparison has been made ever since the draft. He's not, they're not the same player. And Kale McCarr is never going to be Miro Haskinen, and Miro Haskinen is never going to be with Kale McCarr. And I think that's a, I think that's a welcoming realization for Stars fans and players, coaches, everybody is just to stop thinking that, okay, Miro has to come out and score 40 goals to be successful offensively. He's not going to do it. He brings so much in 99% of the other parts of his game that him putting up a decent amount of points is going to be enough and more than enough. And Putting up almost a point per game is is Miro Haskin, and I think in the future. Certainly, I mean he's just been incredible, and yeah, I have to agree. There will just be nights where he gets two or three points, but that's you know the the bottom headline, or maybe he doesn't even get you know one of the three stars of the game because you might have Rope Hintz with two goals and an assist. You might have Jake Ottinger, you know, only allowing one goal. So he often I feel like can get buried in the headlines just because what he does is huge for the team, but subtle as far as what many might consider kind of front page news uh which you know i think that's just fits him well and i know the few interactions i've had around him after games i mean a a quiet guy seems like a pretty humble guy and quick to you know address the team as a whole and give credit where credit is due to his teammates who make make good plays around him and i think that's a a testament to the kind of player he is off the ice but i I think you know the whole team knows and i think people who watch this team know that he makes his teammates better which is you know something that i think that maybe he and kale mccarr do have in common but I do agree they're different players in a good way. And I think that's exciting for the league to have two guys like that, you know, and there's other good defensemen out there too. Fox, Yossi that I think also have different styles, but are are effective players for their teams. And moving a little bit to the, the offensive side of things, we've seen 
Freddie Olofsson come in, you know, the past week and a half, two weeks and join this team with Dennis Gurionov being gone, but it looks like he might be back soon. I mean, what what have you noticed about Freddie Olofsson's game that makes him be so effective? And is there anything you see, you know, in practice that he's doing, you know, working with a particular player? Is there something he's doing behind the scenes that's making his game translate really well onto the ice for games? Or, you know, is it just kind of a, you know, he's been working hard behind the scenes. He's 26 years old. And now he's arrived. Is it? I mean, what what makes Freddie Olafson so effective uh, coming in, kind of out of nowhere this season? Yeah, he. I I've talked to him a ton. I think he's one of the one of the best guys on the team. He's super fun to talk to. He's super honest. Uh, I just spoke with him again this morning, and he he's he's 26, like you mentioned. So he's he's a pro. He's been a pro, and he mentioned this this morning about how he doesn't feel the nerves that like you you know a lot of guys are coming into the NHL you have the nerves of the NHL. You have the nerves of being in front of so many people. You have the nerves of being a pro. He doesn't have the nerves of being a pro and he's played in front of some big, big crowds for the last few years. So the only thing he really has is, okay, this is the top level. This is my dream. I need to play to that level, which I think is, has shown on the ice. I mean, he hasn't looked nervous. He's had a couple shifts, but like who hasn't, you know, where, where things are a little, a little jumbly and, He's looked really comfortable. He's earned it. He had a golden scoring chance in his first game. He ends up scoring in, I think, his third game on New Year's Eve, um, the game winner. And he's he's looked really good. He's looked really comfortable. And he's earning his spot up the lineup now as of as of the last game. And second half of last game and at practice today, he's been skating on that left wing with uh, Sagan and Delandria, which that search has just been nonstop all year for a guy. It used to be for a guy with Sagan and Marchman. Now it's just for two guys with Sagan. Um, but I think he fits really well. He's a similar player to Delandria in, in terms of they're both defensively responsible. They're both able to get the puck out of the corners and find Sagan. Um, and he's, he's been effective in a lot of different areas. And to be honest, he came out of nowhere in terms of, you know, fans and things like that. But if you followed him at camp, if you followed him in preseason development camp, things like that, you see that he, he has a lot of potential him and Karlstrom um, back or Beck, however you say that the, the Swede, the Swede line that was together in training camp a little bit. And in the preseason, those guys are all really high level defense focused players, but they also have a good offensive upside. And I think Olofsson probably has one of the best of them um, in terms of offense. And I think, I honestly think he'll be successful on that second line. Yeah, I, I really hope so for, for his sake and him continuing to establish himself in this league, but also for the sake of getting Tyler Sagan, some consistent line mates. Cause there's been flashes where you're like, oh, these guys work together well with him, but then things kind of fall off a little bit. And we've seen Sagan certainly is still playing well this season. I think he's just been looking for for the for that consistency. And once they find that, I think we can see him, you know, execute his game a little bit better and maybe a little bit more often in terms of scoring opportunities and then of course finishing those opportunities yeah, and Pete, I don't know. Pete as well. Uh sorry to interrupt, it just oh, Pete, Pete also put it on him a little bit. Uh I believe I can't remember which game it was after, but we were talking because we've mentioned it a ton. I mean, that's been a question. That's been a headline is that they've put, I think he's the sixth guy now Olofsson to play on that line. Uh, and that's not normally the case in your top six. That's normally the case in your bottom six, you know, a little bit more shuffling and the rest of the line has been pretty consistent. So uh, Pete actually mentioned Tyler needs to find a line and grab hold of it because Yes, he needs the right guys to play with him, but he also just needs to take advantage, I think. And Pete, Pete sees that, and Tyler knows it as well. Tyler's very, very aware that uh, of what has happened and how it's been kind of inconsistent. And uh, I'm just, I'm excited to see how it meshes. Yeah, that's certainly a fair point that you can't, 
you know, it, it's uh, equally you, you can assess some of that responsibility of guys meshing well with Sagan, but Sagan also taking responsibility because he's still one of the leaders of this team. So certainly a, a fair point in that regard. And hopefully he's close to, to finding that perfect trio where he can contribute and, and also get some good contribution from his teammates. And talking about the roster as a whole, I mean, the trade deadline certainly coming up faster than many would anticipate with the, I believe March 3rd is the trade deadline coming and we're already a few days into January. And of course we always see the, the, the top teams, the contending teams make some pretty big moves. And I, I know I, for one, am not expecting blockbuster moves from the Dallas stars, but just given their cap situation, but from, from your side of things and the way you see things, what are, what are some practical expectations for the trade deadline concerning this stars team? Cause they have a lot of really good pieces and you don't really want to move on from some of the youth in the organization because, I mean, it's fantastic still. I mean, junior level, AHL level, lots of good pieces and also some good guys on the NHL roster as well. What do you think is a, a practical way to approach this deadline from a, a fan perspective and also just someone who covers the team? Yeah, the it's an interesting deadline. I feel like you say that all the time, but it's it varies so much from year to year. Sometimes it's like, we know we need this guy and we're going to go after him. We know we need to sell. We're going to go after it. This isn't so black and white. Uh, what I think is really black and white and straight to the point is they need a top six forward. Um, they, that's, in my opinion, that's not Patrick Kane or one of, or you know, one of the big name Horvat or someone like that because they don't have the money, as you mentioned. They're gonna, they're accruing space, and I think I can't remember the exact number, but I think by the deadline they'll have a few million to spend, um, if barring any other, you know, trading anyone away or any other moves. So they have a little, they'll have a little bit more space to make a move. And, you know, people like uh, Pugliarvi from Edmonton, those type of players that are maybe in the top six, but maybe they're the fifth or sixth best of the top six. That's kind of the realistic range, I think, for them. And I don't think they need, you know, obviously everybody could use a Patrick Kane or, you know, Bo Horvat, someone who's going to be a really dynamic, but I don't think they need that. Uh, we just talked about it. Tyler Sagan is, has shown the potential and he's played really well, uh, pretty consistently putting someone like a Puyarvi or someone on his wing. Uh, and then maybe, and then you figure out from there, whether Delandria or who goes as well, um, I think really takes that top six to the next level. And I think it, it gives them the ability to right now. It's kind of like, all right, we're in a moment where we need to score. We're most likely going to put our top line up there. We can, we can put the Ben Johnston line out Sagan had, you know, some games they're better, but for the most part, you'd like to have two options in that time. You know, let's say you pull their goalie with three minutes left down two you like to be able to roll two or three lines that you really, really feel can score versus one that you're confident with. And then this is the next best option. Um, so I think that's one where they're really going to need it. The really interesting one to me is if they look for a defenseman, uh, because as we mentioned, the defense has been far from perfect. They've been, they've been good, obviously. Um, but, uh, but you look at the top pair uh, of Haskin and Lundqvist where it was that's been pretty good, but then that doesn't stay together because when they switch, they need Hayes getting to be with someone a little more, you know, it's, it just kind of revolves uh, a little bit too much. And I think that perhaps they could add a guy there as well. Um, but in order to do something like that, there would have to be some movement. And we've talked, everyone's talked all year. The stars have some pieces that could potentially be trade targets um, that they could move, but yeah, if you were to look at the deadline as a whole, don't look, don't look for the blockbuster Patrick Kane. I don't think it's happening. Um, but look for a, definitely a top six forward, uh, maybe a sleeper, maybe someone who's playing in a top nine somewhere that, that could be a top six. Um, and then 
the little uh, the little wild card for me is if they if they end up adding a defenseman or how they feel about their defense as a whole. Yeah, it'll be interesting to follow along as the season continues to progress. And I mean, you got to factor in, I think, you know, injuries and chemistry. Obviously, the team has done a really good job staying healthy. We had a few scares on on Wednesday night, especially with Rope not being able to to put weight on his leg for a little bit there. But I mean, he comes back into that game. I assume he practiced normally uh, today. I, I don't yep. know if you saw anything different there, but him, Essa Lindell, having a few scares with blocking some pucks and, you know, chemistry important too. And, you you know, you hear all the time, you want to go make moves at the deadline that make your team better, but you don't want to throw off the team chemistry too much. And obviously I'm not around other teams like I am or you are around the stars, but I mean, this is just a, a special bunch that I think gets along really well, gets along really well together on and off the ice and, you know, bringing in a, a big name like a Kane or a, you know, a Bo Horvat, guys that have been leaders on their respective teams, I think shakes up a little bit of the the dynamic for for a team. And I, I think the stars could make that work. But again, you also factor in cap space and, and future considerations, draft picks and capital there. So it, it'll be certainly interesting to follow along. And kind of the last thing I want to talk about before we we take off, uh, obviously, the stars have one home game this weekend on Sunday afternoon and then head out on the road. What, what, what's kind of the key to the game in your eyes going into this matchup with the Panthers? Because they've seen this team once this season, kind of a, a, a high-scoring back-and-forth game. There was that scary situation with Scott Wedgwood. What, 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 what do you remember from that game? I know it was a while ago, but yeah. what's kind of the key to victory for the Stars? Because this feels like a pretty important game. You want to pick up two points at home before heading out on the road again uh, to go face some pretty good teams in New York. Yeah, it is, it's definitely an important game, especially because they've had so little home, home games to – kind of get there you usually you go home and that's where you get your mojo back the stars have been the opposite they've sometimes struggled at home and then they go on the road and seemingly clean up some of their games so um this is an important game for a lot of reasons though because coming off of those two losses like i said they move on quickly they're able to do it this is where it happens pete DeBoer talks about all the time the good teams don't let those string strings of losses get past the two three range they stop it there the real the teams that struggle start to lose four or five six and that can really switch your season. Uh, so I think that's the most important part of the game. I can't believe they're playing at the in the afternoon at the same time as the Cowboys on a Sunday. That's that's interesting to me. But you know, I think that uh, a day game they've been good during the day. I don't remember their exact record, but I believe they've won most of their matinee games this year. Um, and uh, I think that just controlling that Florida offense is is the key to that one because. Um, they're a weird team where like last year they were so good. And I think the last couple of years, they were so fast out of the gates. They were scoring a ton of goals, uh, but they lost some key pieces. They added some other guys. And I think that it's kind of up in the air, which team you see from them each night right now. Uh, but I believe coming out on that, on that, on an afternoon game and playing a little more to the stars system and core um, after getting away from it in the last couple games will be the most important thing aside from from who they're playing. I think no matter who they play, that's that's the focus right now is just make sure, okay, two games, it was kind of whatever. We had the dads out there. We were in California. Let's get right back to what we're doing and uh, make sure that we start the new year here you know, better than we have so far. Absolutely. A huge game. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm always a little bit skeptical of the afternoon games in terms of what we're going to get because it's weird for the teams as well. Uh, playing you know at noon on a Sunday as opposed to a, a weeknight at you know seven o'clock seven thirty but I know the the Panthers will be traveling a little bit that weekend they have Detroit tonight and then they'll be in Dallas on Sunday hopefully Dallas is rested up and ready to go because yeah I mean you you hit it right they're looking for that first win in 2023 and 
you want to pick up those home points whenever you can get them, especially against a quality opponent. Florida, maybe not as good as they were last year, but still a, a team that can hang with just about anybody. And they, of course, have guys like Matthew Kachuk, who you, you got to try to keep in check and, and hope you can, uh, you know, win the ice there and, and tilt things in your favor before heading back out on the road. But Sam, thank you for joining today's episode. And of course, always want to give you an opportunity to plug your stuff. Where can the people find you on social media and where can they find your writing? Yeah, so at Sam Nestler on Twitter, as always, uh, I've shifted most of my stuff over to Substack, which is, I believe it's samnestler.substack.com. But you just look at my Twitter, I'll I'll have it pinned up there and everything like that. But uh, appreciate you having me on here, man. It's always a good time. Huge thank you to Sam for jumping on today's episode. You guys really enjoy it when Sam comes on. So we always look to have him whenever we can, as well as some other uh, stars, media members, beat writers, what have you. Try to have those guys on as often as we can, just to provide a little bit more insight and give you some additional angles to view this Dallas Stars team. But thank you guys again for another great week here at Locked on Stars. We'll be back on Monday with a game recap. The Stars taking on the Panthers at home on Sunday at noon, and then they head back out on the road to the East Coast for a couple of games up in New York. We'll be covering those games as well. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube. Follow on your favorite podcasting platform so you don't miss an episode of Locked on Stars. We talk about every single game. We talk about every single storyline with this team, and we're halfway through the season now, or we will be uh, after Sunday afternoon, so things are going to start to get hot and heavy sooner rather than later. But thank you guys for tuning in. I hope you have a fantastic weekend and we'll see you back here on Monday. 